All right, well, good morning, everyone. We have no excuse for not getting one another's names right today. So let's learn a few extra names. A couple of things before we uh, jump in uh, and, and continue our series. Um, serving really matters to us because I really do believe that, that faith overflows. You can't know things in your head without doing something with them in your life. Um, you can't claim to love God without loving people. And if you do love Jesus Christ, then the love of Jesus Christ is going to disrupt your life. Uh, it's going to wreck the bad and build the good, and it's going to overflow into your family first. There's no such thing as a follower of Jesus who's mean at home, doesn't exist, um, or who stays mean at home. Might have been mean, but going to be nice, going to be love. And so there's this change and transformation that, that, that makes us others-centered because we're Christ-centered. A part of what we're doing in our, um, our uh, leave your seat, be the church effort is to train ourselves to be servants throughout the week. One of the culture shifts we're going to do, though, on that Sunday is that we are going to be here to worship on that, that Sunday. Worship will be a little different, but it's going to be worship because um, uh, everybody's in a different place. And you may be in a place in your life where you don't have the bandwidth or, or that Sunday you just need to, to be with some other believers. So we want you to know that, that we're not lessening anything that we're doing out in the community. And we're encouraging you to, you to worship through service on that Sunday and then let that be training for worshiping the other seven days of the week, you know, all month. But on that last Sunday of the month, we will be worshiping. Um, and you are free to invite people knowing that they can, they can come at any time. So um, a couple of other quick things uh, re related to serving. I really need you guys to, to, to help me here. This Thursday, one of our great partners, City of Refuge. City of Refuge is a, um, a wonderful ministry that is based over in Curtis Bay. God has blessed them with a uh, 50,000 square foot building, which will ultimately be kind of a one-stop shop for, for human needs. Um, and so it's, it's going to be an amazing ministry. They're already doing, starting great things there. Well, this Thursday is their first annual fundraiser for that. And they've asked us at Seven Run to come and serve and to help them so that their people um, can, can be participating in the, the banquet and the event and, and we can, can serve. So uh, I'm going to be there, uh, God willing, and uh, would invite you to go to sevenrun.com serve. For just, just look for serve under our website and, and sign up and join me there on Thursday. Got it? All right, all right. I also want to give you guys just an update. Uh, as you may have noticed, I wasn't here last Sunday. And I want to give you an update on, on our situation, kind of where we are with, uh, with Marsha. And uh, Marsha is my wife of 41 years. And um, first saw her when I was in ninth grade. And she was walking down the hall. Uh, her mom taught in my school. And she was a cheerleader coming to visit her mom. And saw her walking down the hall. And it was one of those, like, lady in red moments, you know. And time slowed down. And she's flipping her hair. It wasn't quite like that, but... Uh, year, a year later, I'm a year behind her. A year later, I met her in high school. And, and um, 41 years later, she's my best friend. And so, uh, <laughs> throw her picture up here just in case uh, you haven't, uh, haven't seen her. The last 11 days, uh, we had to go to the ER at Hopkins uh, 11 days ago and, and just got her back um, yesterday. And, um, and, and we're waiting on the results of her fifth biopsy. Um, and uh, hope to hear something from that Monday. 
Um, so it uh, is just kind of an indeterminate thing, but we don't, we don't know what's going on except that she has a, uh, an inoperable tumor that's involved many, many things in her abdomen, and, um, and they're just having a very difficult time finding treatment for it. So in the days ahead, uh, my goal is to not make, um, you know, so we will be putting up on Facebook soon just, just for, for uh, some friends who are a little bit distant. We wanted church family to know first, but, but we're not going to be one of those people that, you know, um, and, and no criticism for your Facebook style. I'm not hating on anybody's Facebook style, right? If you post what you had for breakfast every day, more power to you, okay? <laughs> you know, I might learn something and, and I, I might make my waffles in a different way because of your inspiration, so thank you. Um, but we'll probably try a little bit different approach and just, just let some folks know so they can be praying. And, uh, but I, I wanted to let you guys just know kind of where we are, where I am, because there may be some Sundays that, that I'm not able to be here. Uh, there may be some Sundays when we find out a little bit uh, where we are, that we go and travel a little bit uh, while, while she's able to. And I want you to know that so that, um, so that you're not surprised and say, where is that guy? Um, and uh, some of you have asked me, what could we do? Um, well, your prayers are, are huge, and we just thank you. Um, you guys have, have reached out, and, and our, our, our online crowd, guys, thank you. You guys have reached out in, in so many ways. Um, S some of you all are wonderful cooks and have asked if we could bring food. Well, um, uh, probably right now, Marsha's not eating a whole lot, and, and, um, and, and Hannah and I are pretty low maintenance. The, the best thing right now would just be simply to uh, your prayers and, uh, and, and, and any card to Marsha or Hannah or an email at formarsha at severon.com. Any, anything like that, just a word of encouragement, a text is, is enormous. You, you never know when you're in some moment and then somebody just uh, loves on you. On, you know, a text comes up. It's like you're now thinking God thoughts where a moment ago you weren't. So, uh, so that's where we are. Just keep you guys posted, your family, and uh, keep you in the loop. And, um, and I will say this, you know, I, I don't want every moment or every sermon, <laughs> it's not going to be about our story. But on the other hand, uh, I, you can't seal off parts of your life and not, not share those with, uh, with your friends and family. So now you know and appreciate your prayers. And, um, and we're going to jump into the story of God and how it begins in the book of Acts. All right, let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you that you are the God of, of perpetual new beginnings. I believe even in heaven, Father, that we're going to be never bored and ever more fully alive. I believe that in heaven we will never reach the end of you, the end of joy, the end of glory. And I believe that the kingdom of heaven has already come here on earth through faith and through surrender. And I believe, God, that we can experience you here and now and by faith, through your grace, God, we can trust in ways that will make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. Lord, I realize that there are many of us here right now who are going through uh, very hard times. And I would ask in the name of Jesus that in the midst of whatever pain we might have, whether it's something physical or financial, whether it's something from childhood or the past, whether it's with parents or our children, Father, that we would bring our pain to you and allow you to make our pain, God, a, a pathway towards the, the needs and the hurts of others. So, Father, 
Thank you for who you are. Thank you for showing us how it can begin again here. In Jesus, and all God's people say, amen. amen. So today we're going to look at two verses in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And actually, even next week, we're going to jump into verse 8 some more and focus on it. And, uh, and I want to encourage you uh, here and at home, uh, those of you who are watching, to, uh, you know, to, to go ahead and, and open up your paper Bible, your online Bible, and, and, and we're going to read deeply from the Word of God and, and, and look at what Palms Up Living looks like. Everybody do your hands like this right now if you can. Now, it, it may feel funny, uh, but it, it is a, a great way to begin your day. It's a great way to pray, because what's in your hands right now? Nothing. And, uh, and it is a, a place where your hands can be filled. It's actually been shown that this position actually has a, a, um, a, a calming effect on, our, on your heart rate and your brain. Your brain knows when you're doing this that, <laughs> that you're, there's an openness there. And so this is what we mean by palms up living. We're in a place where we're not in control. We're in a place to where we know that God is in control and we're willing to receive what he has for us. I want to talk to you today about when God's ideas begin replacing ours and the power of that. What happens when we stop thinking our own thoughts and start, start thinking God's thoughts and, and then start faithing God things. The church everywhere is in a rebuilding season after COVID. It just is. The reality is that over 50% of staff on churches across the nation are, are in churn, uh, moving, leaving, thinking of leaving. Uh, it's been a, a very hard time for pastors. It's been a very hard time for, for you guys. It's been a very hard time for, for people online. Um, there you can see that, that uh, you know, most churches, I, I've, I've looked and looked and looked for, for numbers. So any numbers I'm giving you are not the final numbers. They're the ones I was able to get recently and, uh, and, and was still looking, but but it seems that most churches, there is, a, there is a regional difference. Churches that were shut down for, for seven months or so have a much higher hit than those uh, in the South who, who never shut down. But, but even I've talked to some larger churches in the South uh, who, who really never shut down more than a week or two, and, and they, they're still 50% down uh, for what they were pre-COVID. Now, I want you to think about that. This is America, Right? And in cultural America, everybody born here is, I'm a, I'm a Christian. You Christian? I'm a Christian. You Christian? I'm a Christian. What does that mean? I don't know, but I'm a Christian. And, uh, and especially where I'm from in the South, you know, going to church is like, it's a cultural thing. Like if you've got a business, you're a realtor or something, you're a, you're a, a broker, you're coming to church because it's your business contacts. You know, that's not the only reason people do it. What I'm saying is it's a part of culture and a part of what you do. Um, and, and there's a few differences in terms of the, uh, the African-American church and, and the the the, the the Caucasian church, the churches that are not integrated. But generally speaking, that's kind of where it is. And, and in the churches where we were shut down for a season, it's actually up into the uh, 60% less, you know, in the 40% range of where, where we are. What that means is a lot of people, um, you know, who had uh, a, a somewhat tenuous relationship to faith have, have drifted. And there are a lot of people now who are okay going to restaurants and Walmart and other places, but now are just out of the habit of, of worship. Look, guys, my, my goal is never to put backsides in seats. That's not the purpose. Um, actually, I could care less about that. Every seat you hear represents a person, and every person represents an eternal story that God loves, a child of his. And until every man, woman, and boy and girl in our region has a growing personal relationship with Jesus, 
The work of God's agape, the work of his love is not finished and we have, we have work to do. So we're in a restarting season, a rebuilding season, and we will. And you got to decide in your own mind and head, I've already decided, is the church finished or is it beginning again? There are people, uh, you know, wise people in the, uh, in the world who are saying the church in America will never be the same as it was. And here's what I say to that. I hope so. We can be a lot better than we were before. It's just simply the fact. But in your heart, in your mind, you got to decide, are we dying or is this the dawn? Where are we? What's your attitude? What's your energy? You see, people tend to be faithless when things seem hopeless. That, that may seem like a very obvious statement, but it's just the truth. When things seem hopeless, man, faith just dies down to, to but you know what? That's when faith needs to burn brightest. When it is darkest, when it is hardest. In fact, it's easier for me to operate spiritually when Satan shows his face and I, I'm reminded again what I'm dealing with. It's like, okay, you know, I never quite say bring it on, but I, I will say whatever. God, you know, fill my water pistol, we'll charge hell. Because when Satan shows his face and you recognize him, it's like, oh, it's obvious what's going on. You are a loser and you've already lost. So, if in this season, emotionally, spiritually, you are down a bit, wake up. All right? The, the, the scripture says, strengthen your feeble knees. Wake up and recognize that, that it is easy to be faithless when things are, 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 are appear hopeless, but things are never hopeless in Christ. So, let's review. When are things ever hopeless in Christ? Never. Very good. You see, the reality is that the resurrection of Jesus is our north star in the night sky. When we look at the book of Acts, we are looking at a movement that went from, from three essentially followers, maybe four that we know of, still following Jesus at the foot of the cross as the rest of his followers had scattered in the face of, of the devastation of his crucifixion. And in the face of three or four left, we then, in a matter of months, move to this great movement of God where thousands of people are being saved, where the church is launched against impossible odds. It begins to thrive in persecution. The church begins to rise up in clarity. And, and the North Star of all of that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Guys, you got to decide what you believe about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, there, you know, Satan's going to want to make you think there's a lot more things important in your life, your finances, you know, whether you're being loved like you want to be loved or not, whether your, your life is going according to the agenda that you think God should be accomplishing in your life. But nothing is more important in your life than the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the centerpiece. It is the dawn. It is, it is the sunrise to any day of darkness you ever find yourself in. The resurrection, the resurrection, the resurrection, the third day proves everything Jesus ever said, sets the course for every day until he comes again. And may I remind you he's coming again? May I remind you he's coming again? I'm serious. For the church to act like it's defeated, oh, it's so hard here. COVID, whatever, Jesus came, he rose, Jesus is coming again, and we will rise, 
And you will never have for the rest of eternity the chance to do what you are doing now, and that is trust God. There will be no faith in heaven. You won't need it. You'll see. But here and now, in the day of your dark, in the day of our hard, in the day when there's reason to doubt and some are, you know, running around yelling doom and gloom and, and huffing and puffing and, and your house is going to fall, stop it. Whatever. It's nonsense. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ has a message of salvation and hope for every human being born. He is the answer to every need ever, ever felt on planet earth. He is the light that all of us are, are searching in the dark for. And we have that answer. And we got to get over ourselves and get on mission for him. Amen. Let's give God praise. In case you had noticed, Patrice is trying to teach us how to do that. I'm just saying. The resurrection. Our North Star teaches us that there are no dead ends. You give up hope, you've forgotten the resurrection. Things seem impossible to you, you've forgotten that God took the most impossible circumstances that you can possibly create on, on human earth, that is to torture someone uh, helplessly, you know, apparently helplessly until they, 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 they die and, and that's as bad as it gets. Third day, rise again, angels say he's not here, he is risen. There are no dead ends with God. Revelation 3.8, uh, the angel speaks to the, the, the church that was going through a hard time at that point in persecution. And, and, and God says, behold, I've set before you an open door that no one can shut. Hey, that's not only to that church, it's to this church and every other church, not only in America, because we're not the center of the world. Um, every church of God throughout this planet of his, his loving creation. There are no impossibilities with God because of the resurrection. So nothing you're facing is impossible. You know, in our own journey, uh, we may well have some incredibly hard, painful days ahead. I don't make light of that. Uh, I, I, I don't want it. I didn't ask for it. Uh, whatever. God. Jesus. The glory of God's grace at work in life. There are no impossibilities with God. Luke 18, 27 says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. So you know what this does for you? It puts you living in a faithful hope. Put your eyes on Jesus and what he did on the third day. And it reminds us there are no limits with God. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says this. Now to him who is able. <laughs> so I want you to think of your problems right now. Got them? It's probably not hard to do. And if you think your problem is sitting next to you, don't look at them. <laughs> All right, we're talking about you. I want you to think about your problems, your pain right now. Now to him who is able. So what is God in, in light of your problems? He is able. He is able. You feel the hope rise? You feel your problems shrink? You feel your perspective change? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Wait, so I've got some good things in mind. It's nothing compared to what God has. Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Oh my gosh, that is limitless. According to his power that is at work within us. Again, 
It's not, oh, COVID, oh, life, oh, finances. It's Jesus. It's the resurrection. It's running around like a bunch of transformed people from those who were defeated and discouraged pre-resurrection, hiding in the dark of a locked room to those who are on the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming, He is risen. Jesus is alive. He is the Messiah. And that transformation is the power that is at work or wants to be at work in your life if you'll open the door. To Him be the glory in the church, verse 21 says. And in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Do you know why the church matters to me? Because it matters to God. There are two sources on earth for, of glory for, for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The second we would all say that's easy. Jesus Christ is, is the source of God's glory. You know what the other one is? Us. In all our imperfections, in all my flaws and faults and, and can'ts and blah, 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 God looks at us as his beloved children and says, I am in you to forgive and love and, and raise you from your own dead. I will live through you, breathe through you. You will be my life on earth, my love on earth, and you are my glory. You are the glory of God as the body of Christ. So I want to say, in light of all that, as we go through the book of Acts, we're going through this, and it's interesting to me, I didn't know this, but I, I, uh, I began to kind of uh, just check with some of my friends. I mean, I've talked to them, but I didn't say, hey, what are you preaching these days? Um, three of my, my friends, my close friends, are all, have the Holy Spirit has driven them to preach from the book of Acts. One of my friends, I really should have asked this question earlier, has been preaching it for a year and 14 months <laughs> in the midst of COVID. I think maybe the Spirit's reigning here. So how it began is how it begins. If we want to know how to begin again, we go back to the beginning and simply trust with an active faith in the glory of God's will at work in us because God has not left us. He's not forgotten us. He is here. God is with us. And in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, uh, we're, we're at the very beginning of, of this rebirth story. And, and the scripture, I'm just going to go ahead and, and read, you know, I, I think we can actually handle six whole verses to start with. And the book says in, in chapter one, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given orders uh, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to, uh, to them by many convincing proofs appearing them to them during 40 days and speaking all about the kingdom of God. And while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. And two weeks ago, we talked about waiting on the Lord. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 6, as you see it here, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now that question is so pregnant, it doesn't maybe mean a lot to you and I. But, but the context of what's going on is Jesus is talking to, to Jewish disciples. If you've read your Old Testament, if you've, if you've, you know, if you've, 
gotten a, a glimpse of the panorama of God and the story of God raising up a people for himself to be a light into the world, a light to the Gentiles. You know how, how God uh, took one man and, and created a nation in impossible ways. Uh, you know, 90 plus years old, he did the impossible and gave them a son who was the, the birth of, of Israel. In fact, Israel, uh, you know, and, and, and Isaac, you know, they're, they're you know, Israel means he struggled. Uh, Isaac, Yitzhak means uh, he laughs. And, and, and through struggle and, and, and the, the love of God, God birthed a nation. And, and he built a kingdom. The kingdom of David and Solomon was the time when Israel was at its peak of power. And, and, and for centuries... Rabbis had taught that, that when the Messiah comes, that Israel is going to rise again. That when the Messiah comes, that the days of David and the days of Solomon, when, when the power of the kingdom of Israel stretched all over the ancient Near East, that that would be nothing compared to what was going to happen when Messiah came and Israel would be restored and, and the whole world would see the glory and the power of Israel and, and the Romans would be thrown out. They would no longer be occupied by an, an enemy force and, and this would be this glorious day of joy and, and success and, and overcoming and, and sight. We could see all that we'd hoped for. And so that and, and, and a whole lot more is in the background of this question. Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You're alive. Are we about to see the whole world instantly change? Are we about to see angels descend? Are we about to, to see, you know, you take your throne here in the temple and, and people from all over the world come and declare your glory? Is that what's about to happen? And Jesus says this. It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to all the ends of the earth. I want to share with you kind of three things this morning, just very, very briefly, and, and, and you know, and just encourage you with an open heart to, um, to, to hear the, the Spirit speak to you. This vision that they had were thoughts that had been planted for centuries in their minds. And what Jesus is saying to them is, Guys, the ideas you're living out of, they're not mine. The way you imagine it's going to be isn't how it's going to be. The way that you think I must work is, is not the revelation of my glory. And so here's what I believe that God is asking them and us today, and that is to trust the glory of God's will. And in essence, what the, the disciples had hoped for is what's going to happen at the end of the age. What they had wanted to see then and now uh, was, was, the, was heaven arrive on earth. Well, that's coming, but, but not now. And so God's saying that what you based your faith in part on is not going to happen, but I'm going to do something new and surprising that you didn't see coming, and I need you to trust the glory of my will. Don't trust your own thoughts. Don't hang on to your own uh, ideas that, of the way that the future must be. I have a new future for you. So I want to say to you, in your own spiritual journey, trust the glory of God's will. 
God has a will for us as the church. He has a will for you as his son or his daughter. And it is glorious. What is glory? We don't use that word enough. Glory is some perception, apprehension of, of, of the, the reality of who God is. It is the glimmer of dawn in, in the dark. It is, it is the, 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 the match of, of hope beginning to, to strike and burn in your heart. It is, it is some perception of the infinite glory of God. It is, it is the beginning of seeing who God really is and understanding how great He is, how awesome He is, how mighty He is. And on earth we are shielded from the fullness of His glory. The scripture tells us that if we saw Him in this form, we, we would not be able to live. But God regularly reveals his glory. In fact, the scripture says the heavens declares the glory of God. <laughs> it is all around us. So give up your ideas about how God should work and do the work uh, that lets God's glory work in your world. That's what service is. That's what love is. That's what, what you being grace in your family is. That's what serving the, the, the person around you who doesn't meet your needs is all about. It's about you giving your life to the will of God so that God can do the work of his glory, his saving love in the lives of people around you. Nothing matters more than being the love of God to those God, God's loves. And to let God love the way he chooses to love, not the way you think that he, he must. You and I don't get to determine the will of God. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey guys, what you had hoped for is not going to happen. Um, and so you can walk away from me now or you can trust me. And, and if you trust me, what's going to happen in a few short days is what we call Pentecost. Chapter 2, Acts 1, this glorious visitation of the power of God when these guys were energized to rush into the streets and declare in every language in the known world the truth of Jesus Christ as Messiah. And I guarantee you that when we trust God to do things the way of His glory instead of the way of our thinking, it's, it's just better. So, first thing, trust the glory of God's will. Secondly, give up your agenda. You know, that's what Jesus was asking these guys to do. The kingdom of God, God is not going to come like you think, you know, and in fact, you're not in control. It's not for you to know the dates and times. The irony of that is that I have books on my shelves written by these prophets and pastors who are giving the dates and times. Uh, and as a pastor for 41 years, I have seen the church disturbed time and time again from people saying Jesus is going to come in, in X. There's a book called 1994 that a fellow named Campbell wrote that caused quite a stir back in the day. And there's a bunch of people saying, look, this NASA engineer has mathematically proven when Jesus is going to come. What year is it? <laughs> yeah, and Jesus came, but not like that, you know. So it's not for us to know the dates and times. There are whole ministries that just, you know, the end times, the end times, the end times. The purpose of letting us know the end times is to get busy in our time sharing Jesus. That's the purpose, right? People need to know Jesus before then. So understand we win. End of story, right? Be encouraged now. Don't be discouraged now when it's... Uh, but trust God and, and be encouraged and, and give up your own agenda. So let me just ask you, what, what is the agenda that you need to give up? It's clear from here what their agenda was. You know, this... this Hundred years, uh, probably six hundred year narrative of of a glory on earth of a new Israel. They had to give that up. 
In fact, in 70 AD, Jerusalem was utterly wiped out after a third rebellion by, by Rome, and, and the Christians were scattered to the, to the world to preach Jesus. So they had to give up this earthly. What, what's your agenda? How are you resenting God because he hasn't done what you thought he should? All of us are. All of us are experiencing some distance from God because we thought in our little heads, we made it up between our left ear and our right ear, God, you must do this to be loving to me. And God didn't do that. And so in some form or fashion, there's sort of some of this going on with some of us. That's why we're not in our Bible every morning. It's why we don't hit our knees and just say, God, I just want to draw near to you. It's because... Eh, we're just kind of not sure about him. Where did our ideas about what God should do come from? Right? We just kind of made them up, didn't we? You see, fear and worry flow when we see our agenda fail. And some of our agendas make perfect sense. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, you know, Jesus said, don't worry about what you shall eat or drink. Wait, what? That's a pretty basic agenda. I would like to eat today. You know, how many of y'all are fans? You ate yesterday, congratulations. You're, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty big agenda on us. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. Again, wait, what? Or what you should wear. Well, I'm not talking Gucci, but I would like to have clothes. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Your, your father has it. And that, that goes from the most mundane things to the biggest things or, or not. I, as, as, as your pastor I don't have this whole thing with Marsha down and, and, um, and however this, this comes about, um, gosh, there's just places my mind doesn't want to go. And, and then I hear my Jesus say, don't worry about it. That's not flippant. It's not, it's not, um, it's not anything but Jesus inviting us into him in light of the backdrop of the glory of God on the third day. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but in me you will have peace. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Uh, Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Okay. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. How many times in the past have you distrusted God? Do not raise your hand, do not give a number. <laughs> what if this time, this season in your life, you just, you just found your faith and you stood up and you just trusted God. And in the face of the impossible, you said, nothing's impossible with my God. Because I remember my north star in the night sky, and it's the resurrection of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Is surrender to the work of glory. Acts 1.8, I'm not going to do things the way you think I am. But my glory is going to work another way and my glory is going to, be, going to be so much more eternal and powerful. My ways are better than your ways for my thoughts are not your thoughts and as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours. So here's what's going to happen with you guys. It's not going to work out the way you want but you're going to receive power um, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I've got a plan and purpose to use you for my glory. Glory always surprises. It never comes how you expect. It always requires simple trust and an active faith. You cannot, you cannot experience the glory of God without, without simple trust. Glory re requires 
a loving trust in God's loving work. And there are times God does things in your life that don't feel like love, but God is love, always loves, cannot not love. <laughs> and you just have to trust the way love works. And in the end, if your love for Jesus never helps others see the love for Jesus, then you have no love for Jesus. And stop kidding yourself. Wake up. Let yourself be loved. And then let yourself be the love of God to the glory of God forever and ever and ever. Will you, in your heart and in your pain, trust the glory of God at work in your life? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there would be faith rising among us and Father, for the one who's here today who does not know you, for the one at home today who's, who's just so hopeless and things are so dark, may they simply call on the name of Jesus. It's not that complicated. It's not that hard. Because the scripture says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So right now, simply call on the name of the Lord Jesus. For those of you who are believers and have been discouraged because God hasn't done things your way, it hasn't turned out like you think it should, would you just lay down your agenda? And would you today look Jesus in the face and just hear him say, it's not for you to, to describe the way your life should go. That's my job. That's the work of my love. And would you look Jesus in the face and simply say to him today, Jesus, I surrender to your love. You are good. And what you do is good. And I will trust the work of your glory and I will glory in gratitude all the days of my life in your love. As our worship team sings, I want you to, to pray, I want you to respond, I want you to, to open your heart wide in faith to what God wants to do new and next in you.